We're on episode four then of Telly.Click, where Mike Ward, the Daily Stars TV critic, and me, Simon Hoban, from BBC Radio, take a look ahead to the week's telly, picking out the best, worst, and fair to middling stuff from the week's schedules. And by the way, if you've got something that you've seen that we need to know about, or maybe you love or you hate for whatever reason, they can tweet. People can tweet us, can't they, Mike, now? They can indeed, yes. Just send it to me, at Mike Ward on TV, Twitter thing. Yeah, he'll the get Twitter that. thing is catching on, isn't it? It's going to be big, I think. I think it's going to be big. I think it could change the world. It's got a great future. Or end it. <laughs> yeah, the way things are going. <laughs> yes. But there you go. Um, so fair to middling, very much so. I think for those people uh, who haven't listened to this podcast before, I'm a big fan of fair to middling TV because I think most things in life are fair to middling. In yeah, fact, that would true. probably be my autobiography title were I ever to write one. Shall we talk about the first uh, of our programmes that we're talking about? Monday, December the 4th we're on, by the way. Excellent. Yeah, let's talk about the, uh, the real marigold on... On tour. Do you know what that is? The Marigold Hotel was the film, was it? Yeah, it yeah. was. Is this a TV spin-off from that, or which one what came it first? Is, the gist of it is that the BBC took that idea, and with no connection, as they're keen to stress, with that film, they sort of applied it to a TV series where a bunch of veteran celebrities headed off to India and lived together in not entirely dissimilar circumstances to see whether they fancied the idea of retiring to India, just sort of hypothetically, as it <laughs> yeah, were. Yeah. So that's the, it's a continuation of that, really. Um, and what's happening now is the on-tour bit is that mm. they've realised that people quite like these programmes where uh, celebrities of a certain age, some of whom don't get on telly very much these days, but probably still have something to offer, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know. Judith Chalmers, by the way, was on a Channel 5 one. She's about 80-something now. Remember her? used to wish you were of here course, on the yeah. programme. And she was there, and she was on there with Pike from Dad's Army, who, of course, turns up in EastEnders these days. I'm not sure if he's doing it or not. I can't remember. Um, I mean, her name, Judith Chalmers' name, was actually kind of synonymous with anything travel. So, you know, yes. if someone was boring you about the holiday, you'd go, all right, Judith Chalmers, yes. wouldn't you? So this time we've got Bobby George, Wayne Sleep, Rosemary Schrager, and Mir- Miriam Margolis. How do you pronounce the surname? Margolis? Margolis. I seem to I want to pronounce it more complicatedly than it is. Keep uh, it simple. If it's, keep it simple, yeah. Um, Bobby George is obviously making a bit of a career of this because it was only a couple of weeks ago that he was doing this ITV thing. You remember we talked about the one where they went to America on a coach? Yeah, and, and smoked um, pot. Yeah, gone to pot. And he was on that, and now he's on this. <laughs> I was hoping these two would collide somehow. There is a sort I think this is the new... Uh, I mean, it is still reality TV, but you know, this is, you know the, the reality TV contests, competitions, yeah. every, you know, like Dancing on Ice and Strictly and and Splash and all those things. There are certain people who become serial reality TV competitors. So they'll be in the, in the jungle, then they'll be in the Big Brother house, whatever, and you forget what they're actually famous for in the first place. They just hop from yeah, yeah. one competition to the next. You're sort of getting this a bit now, I think, and probably more and more with these these older people shows. They take about four or five of them, throw them all together, sometimes an unlikely combination, and just sort of... They just put them somewhere unfamiliar to see yeah. how they react. Anyway, they're in... Um, where are they for this first one? Uh, China. Uh, Miriam doesn't like the food. It's culture shock. Really what it boils down to is all the... I think, you know, it's it's kind of doing a bit of a uh, gentle, not, you know, hopefully not xenophobic culture shock mm-hmm. type thing where mm-hmm. people of... Uh, I keep saying of a certain age... I can't think of a better way of saying it. Difficult um, one with the food, isn't it? Because you always think that you might be accused of xenophobia if you say, oh, I had a bit of a dodgy belly. You thought, uh, is that, is that a bit xenophobic? a xenophobic belly, though? Because, I mean, <laughs> ultimately, if you eat food that your your system isn't familiar with, yeah. which is probably going to be the case if you're in a different climate, different culture, and, yeah. and whatever, then it's just a physical reaction. I don't think you can accuse your tummy of being <laughs> xenophobic. No, I, I, just, I just wonder whether you kind of think, I better not mention this. Cause... I think with the food, that's OK. OK. Because you're not reacting... You're just reacting to something quite specific.
specific, aren't you? You're not sort of saying, "Gosh, I hate these people." You're just saying, "I that the food they you know food is." Yeah, your constitution's about true. Yeah. Chinese people, isn't it? Chinese people think Westerners are weird for drinking milk. They do, and, and also yeah, the, that's fine. It's probably it, we are weird, and it's almost culturally that the, the yeah. stuff that they eat is almost diametrically opposed. I'll give you an example with chicken. Yeah, we have the breast, don't we? Yeah, and we think that's great, but they the bonier, the crunchier for them, the better. So they, they love the they feet. love the feet, don't they? Yeah. Well, I, I've had I've had my dog eats chicken feet. I actually buy her chicken feet. Right, and they're, they're sort of, I don't know what's done with them, but they're sort of quite crunchy. But I've had them in a Chinese restaurant, and they were just sort of sinewy. And it's like yeah. sort of chewing on tasteless cartilage. But there's not a right and wrong. It's just that I'm used to one thing and they're used to another thing. Fair so enough. our reaction to their food and their reaction to ours are equally valid. So anyway, it's not racist. So <laughs> it's not. It's not racist. Miriam okay? Margolis would be the last person to be racist. Exactly. Exactly. Used by dates. That's the other thing I was going to mention. Because Super Shoppers uh, tonight, 8.30 Channel 4, is looking at the whole thing of uh, whether uh, used by dates are something to which we adhere too closely, yeah. fridge-wise. Well, speaking of, speaking of constitutions, my flatmate has tested this. Okay. And uh, he regularly eats food that's way, way beyond. <laughs> I mean, we're talking a week or two. Like, he'll okay. have an egg He'll have an egg that's two weeks beyond its best before. Yeah, okay. And he's, he's been fine since. But I do wonder whether he's built up that tolerance. And he tested this with a mince pie that he left in the fridge, not for one year beyond its Christmas date, okay. but for two. Two and he years? Had it, he had it last year. Right. And, and he, ate, he ate it on Christmas was Day. Was it mouldy? As a test. It wasn't that mouldy. No, <laughs> not that. Not that. Brilliant. Not that. <laughs> and um, he he was fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. Well, the mold in itself probably isn't going to necessarily do you any harm. No. Um, and also things like Christmas Christmas cake lasts forever. Christmas puddings last yeah. last forever because I, I I don't know why all that sort of fruit and really? do you put do bananas it? in the fridge? No, I don't want a cold banana. But Who do seriously, I tell you, I I eat bananas in my porridge. So yeah. I tend not to eat them sort of just as they are. I tend to sort of slice them and put them in my porridge. Right. And if you buy bananas, they'll they'll start going a bit black, won't they? And then they'll go yeah, they off do. completely mm-hmm. and just be. And I don't I don't mind them going a bit mushy, but um, they're not really ideal that way. If you put them in the fridge, they just last weeks. Good. Yeah. The only thing is, they look terrible. They the skins go very very dark and then black. But if you open them, they're perfectly oh. fine inside. They, they, in, the insides are absolutely fine. And if you're just slicing them up to put in something, they're as good as... Well, they taste absolutely fine. That There's is, a tip. That is a top tip. Save money on bananas. Super shoppers are talking about this tonight. And they're going to say, even though I've not watched the programme, I'll tell you what they're going to say. They're going to say, actually, within reason, there's a lot of more flexibility in the fuse by dates <laughs> yeah. than you might imagine. I think and I certain that. things more than others. There you go, you don't have to watch it now. Well, good. What time is it? I never did want to. Half past eight, Channel 4. Holby City. Do you watch Holby City? I don't, but I've seen this trailer. Wow. Gosh, stuff, stuff is going to happen. I think it's... A, is it a terrorist attack? I'm not allowed is. to say. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. But there's two episodes this week. There's normally only one episode. It's eight o'clock on BBC One, or if you're in Scotland, it's 10.45, because I think Scotland has River City. Two programs with the word city in the title oh. on the same evening. How confusing is that? But yeah, Paul McGann is joining the cast. Wow. You know Paul McGann? Yeah, One yeah. McGann's. Pops up, doesn't he? Pops up occasionally. Yeah, the, was the he Liverpool the... acting brothers. Was he Doctor Who once? He was Doctor Who once in a film version, wasn't he, or something, I yeah. think? Or, or, or a feature-length version of... He, he wasn't on the regular sort of Saturday night. I don't think he quite worked, because he was almost a, a cookie-cutter version of what you'd expect the Doctor to be. That's... OK, what well, you mean he was almost too obvious? He was too long-haired... Flamboyant, yeah. kooky. Yes. Yeah, so was, was he like a combination of Tom Baker yeah. and, and yeah. you know Sylvester? He was he Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> but he's in that, and his brother plays a doctor in Call the Midwife. Isn't oh. that amazing? 
Just not really. No. Um, so is his brother. So his brother Stephen McGann, who was also in Emmerdale once, but isn't anymore. Yeah. So he plays this guy who's called Professor John Gaskell, who apparently has a reputation as something of a miracle worker and who's arriving at Holby to take up a position as consultant neurosurgeon bloke. Uh, but he gets thrown into a drama almost, you know, within next to no time, mm. which means that his consultancy thingy, whatever, has to sort of take second place to dealing with the immediate crisis that they're facing. And I'm not going to say much more, but it needs a second episode to resolve it all in one week. So that's, you know, that's quite rare. They normally only do that at Christmas when it's a sort of double thing. That's 8 o'clock BBC One, by the way. 9 o'clock BBC One, the other thing tonight, uh, uh, The A Word. I oh, you like The this. A Word? Mm. I really like You've not watched any of it, have you? Not really. Do you not listen to any of my recommendations? Do you actually sort of go through, you know, like, like old-fashioned way, you get your Radio Times out, and as soon as I recommend something, instead of putting a ring around it, you put a cross through it. <laughs> I'll tell you what mostly happens is that I see the trailers for these programmes advertised on telly, yeah. and I go, oh, Mike talked about that in our podcast. Yeah. And, and that's, that's it. That's about the level. So you'll see the trailer. What you do is you watch the trailer. You yep. go, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And then you catch up with it by watching Gogglebox. I do. And you see about, you know, Well, actually, no, I have watched it. a Peaky Blinder episode. Have you? you mentioned it, yeah. And? and I might watch another. Okay. Yeah. That's promising. That's, I can't commit more than that. But No, 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 sorry. So, um, yeah, the uh, I just like, I, I like the A word um, because um, I like the music. And I like her jumpers. You do like their jumpers, yeah. I'm a big fan of her jumpers. What's special about those? I don't know, I just like knitwear. You do? <laughs> yeah. Something cosy. Yeah. She's having a rotten old time, you know, and, you know, when, when it's co- nights are cold, I think somebody in knitwear looks like they're a down-to-earth <laughs> person that I'm going to get on with. So, yeah, um, and it's coming up to the end, but not quite yet. But uh, the relationship between the parents, Joe's, uh, autistic Joe's parents, the relationship is falling apart because, you know, she's struggling and he's struggling, but they're struggling in different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming a, a domestic drama. I can't really say, if you've not watched it, I'm not being able to is say it. well acted? They act very well. It's like you think they're the people. That's always a good sign. <laughs> That's how good they are at acting. In fact, she's actually got a completely different accent in real life. Talking of different accents, I was watching um, about, I think it's about 12 years ago, in a Christmas episode of Doctor Who, Sarah Parrish mm. made a guest appearance as a giant red spider. Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah, vaguely. Uh, it was Catherine Tate was the companion at the time, yeah. briefly, and it was David That's Tennant. Yeah. And I'd forgotten, of course, that David Tennant was doing his English accent as, as Doctor Who. Was he? Right. He was not... I'm so used to now seeing him doing, more often than not, his real Scottish accent. Yeah, sort of. But in Doctor Who, he he was did his English accent. And hearing it for the first time in years, it sounds really odd now. You think, why are you talking like that? <laughs> At the time, I was more familiar with it than I was with his real accent, whereas now I'm more familiar with his real accent like he did in Broadchurch, etc. And given that, you know, there's so much sensitivity around having a female companion and a female doctor, as we're getting next, you'd yeah. think he'd, they'd have let him be Scottish in it. Yeah, they probably. I wonder if he came back now whether he'd insist on that. And yeah, they'd probably, probably write that into the story because they can write anything into Doctor Who, can't they? <laughs> yeah, they, they can. can just sort of say anything happens, and uh, and then somebody will say yes, that makes perfect sense because it's Doctor Who. Yeah, and then they'll <laughs> yeah. create some sort of twisted logic yes. rather than just say, well, it's sci-fi. So the great thing about sci-fi is you can just make anything up and just yes. you know, shoehorn it in. I mean, have you ever gone on a Doctor Who forum to see the explanations of oh, how these you things... you obviously have. Once or twice, I mean... It's... Well, twice, that means you went on the first time and you enjoyed it. <laughs> you got something out of it and you went back. I think the second time I just thought, it can't possibly like, be like this again, but it okay, was. OK, what, what sort of thing were they saying? Well, it's just that thing of, of trying to explain out every wrinkle yeah. in the plot that's yes. almost impossible, you know, because it's so, as you say, so made up as they go along. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the thing. I remember when I was a kid at school, I used to sort of write stories and stuff. I, I used to write sort of 
I'm not particularly sci-fi now, but I always used to write things about sort of time travel yeah. and, and whatever. Yeah. Because I like the fact that you could just say anything and make it up, mm. and you ha- didn't have to have any. It could have his. What well, I think you you justifies its own internal logic. Yes. But actually, you know, let's be honest. A lot of the time, it's just making stuff up as you go along. But with a big budget and whatever, you can make it look sort of spectacular and, and mm. dazzling. And you know, with the right script, you can explain it all away. And if they speak fast, with Doctor Who characters always speak quite fast. Yeah. You know. By the time you've heard what they've said, it's it's past and you can't get your head around it, so you assume it makes sense. Yeah. Um, why are we talking about Doctor Who? Can't no remember. We'll talk about it again some other time. So anyway, that's the A word, 9 o'clock BBC One. So Wednesday, December the 6th. Here we are. Yeah. Doesn't it fly does, by? Does It does, oh. yeah. It, it's like 24 hey. hours and the day's gone. Yeah. Um, Where does it go? It's dark and goes away. The Apprentice. Um, one thing, the ridiculous, one of the many ridiculous contrivances in The Apprentice yeah. is the bit right at the start of each episode where the phone rings at Nitwit headquarters where they're all living, <laughs> and one of them dashes downstairs, sort of in little or no clothing, yeah. to answer the phone to what's obviously a pre-recorded woman saying, uh, "Lord Sugar would like you to meet him in fifteen seconds on the other side of the world or something or other," <laughs> and they're still sort of, you know semi-naked and then they all get dressed yeah but, you know they're always taken by surprise and then you see you have to watch them sort of blow drying their hair and stuff and then getting into a car and mm. getting forward to they're, they're always told where they're meeting and what and try and guess what the task might be bearing them bearing in mind where the rendezvous that's is it. yeah and they you know and then that's where they show their ignorance because they're so i think you know they go to either buckingham palace or something rather than they say oh is that a takeaway or something <laughs> yeah i'm only mentioning it because the uh the oh i think it's the oldest contestant woman called elizabeth who's um about 40 ish uh, uh is the one who answers the phone i have never heard a contestant in the apprentice sound so hacked off when answering the phone normally they sort of do the whole bright and breezy yeah hi good morning yes yeah lord sugar's gonna meet and they speak to the recording you know the recording's just a recording and she just goes, hello, <laughs> what, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. And she might as well just oh, do you know what bloody time it is? <laughs> yeah. Lord, yeah. whatever your name is, recording lady. Yeah, well, she's she's a character, isn't she? She is, it's good yeah. they're injecting a bit of difference into these things. Yeah, we're getting close, although I let's not talk about it now because we, we want to talk about it near the time, but we're getting close to the interviews round. I love the interviews yeah. round. it's the best one. Uh, just briefly mentioning also um, uh, Peaky Blinders, which I've already said I love. And the latest episode, uh, worth a look for, well, worth a look for all manner of reasons, but in particular the uh, return of a character called Alfie Solomons, who's played by Tom Hardy. And his arrival towards the end of the episode reminds me of Rick Mayle turning up in Blackadder. I don't know if you remember the famous <laughs> episode where he burst through the yeah. doors, Lord Flashheart. Woof, woof. And totally steals the show mm. completely, you know, and and he's meant to, obviously. And there's a similar effect to this guy. He turns up and he's sort of like a, I don't know, Cockney geezer type bloke. Right. And because I haven't watched Peaky Blinders since the start, I'm not entirely sure what the connection is. They have a kind of uneasy alliance from the past, I think, him and uh, gang leader Tommy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he's going to stir things up, I'm sure, quite sure, but we don't quite know why yet. We shall see, dot, dot, and indeed dot. And that's nine o'clock on BBC Two. Thursday, the 7th of December. Yeah, it seems like only uh, about 30 seconds ago that it was Wednesday, December the 6th. But yeah, Thursday, December the 7th. USB sticks play a big part in dramas. Have you noticed this? Increasingly, technology and what technology can do is used in dramas to sort of drive the plot along. They're always being left around the place, aren't they? That's the problem. USB sticks? Yeah. 
Yes. If you've got a USB stick, I mean, you just keep it on your person at all times. Yeah. And Chances they, they, are you've got some sensitive information on in, there. In dramas, they've always got incriminating yeah. material on them. Always. I think they come actually with them when you buy them. They've got that on them already. <laughs> That'd be brilliant, actually. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can buy choose. It. You can buy. I know you can buy USB sticks with little patterns and designs on. It. And some companies, and when uh, TV companies, when they're sending press material out for journalists, yeah, will put it on a USB stick as a sort of novelty thing. So you stick it in your computer, and all the press mm. pack and the photos and all the material mm. you need for your research yeah. all, are all there. Anyway, the, the reason I mention it is because um, Love Lies and Records, which is the Kay Mellor drama which continues tonight on BBC One at 9 o'clock, uh, is, is being largely driven at the moment by the incriminating material on a USB stick, which is the CCTV footage of Ashley Jensen's character Kate uh, having sex in the strong room. Remember we talked about this and what the what is mm. a strong room? I think we a decided room, on just... a... Storeroom, did we? Uh, well, it's a yes. Anyway, it's the room where they they did rude things uh, under the influence of alcohol at Christmas party, caught on CCTV, which is on this USB stick. Which Kate's poisonous and bitter colleague uh, Judy, played by Rebecca Front, uh, appears to have chosen to um, distribute, oh dear. Uh, including to her husband. The great thing is, there's a there's a slap. She <laughs> slaps Judy. Do you know what? I tell you what, this is quite weird, and I don't quite know how I stand on this morally. If you she, the, the character that Rebecca Frank plays mm. is is meant to be horrible and poisonous and bitter, yeah, uh, okay, and has done something really really nasty. The character that um, Kate play, uh, Ashley Jensen plays, Kate, is a really lovely person. Everybody loves her. Mm-hmm. All right, she delivers the slap. Okay, now watching this, I thought I sort of cheered. Now, is that a good thing or is it wrong? Because you know, I'm I'm sort of like you know um, condoning violence. By yeah. doing that, uh, you know, and uh, slapping a woman. But if I'm condoning one woman on the equal, you know, so in other words, it's not an abuse of power. It's just two people of an equal footing, uh, are, you know, hitting, uh, slapping. Is that okay? Because I felt a bit wrong about thinking, wow, that's great. She deserves it. Because I think, well, no, that's not for me to say. That's that's terrible. <laughs> well, the violence is never the answer. But violence is never the is, answer. Is it a bit like, you know, when a, a footy player who's been really winding you up all game, someone yeah. puts a real cruncher in on him? A real sort of what do they call them? Um, oh, there's, a, there's a phrase for that in football. Yeah. A real uh, leveler, is it? No. Um, what's the What's the word for a crunching tackle? They... Oh, crunching. Uh, How about a crunch? Let's make one up. Aggregator, is it? No, no. What's <laughs> it's, that? It's something like a um, a industrial tackle. Is that industrial. it? Industrial. Well, is that that's not connected with the hospital ball, is it? No. But anyway, when, when got someone my tickets for that, by the way, <laughs> excellent. But when someone does that, you cheer, don't you? Maybe you internally, do. yeah. But yeah. I don't think it's right to, you know, if you see a woman being hit, it's right to, to think cheer. that's a good thing. <laughs> no, but uh, it, I don't. But then, if it's another woman hitting her and there's not an abuse of power or anything, you know, sinister going on, it's just two characters in drama, yeah. And one of them is, is a horrible person has been has been really nasty and, and spiteful and bitter. And should a bloke watching a TV program cheer when a woman gets slapped, even if it's just by another woman? I don't think you should somehow. I don't, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Am I getting oversensitive here? Um, no, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. It's a difficult one. I think that's not right. Does uh, it look realistic? Because that's difficult. Realistic? Maybe they did it in real life. They often do now, don't they? What, do, when they're acting, they actually do slap them? Yeah, they'll say, go on, do it, just do it. Oh, I don't know. For the proper reaction. Because yeah. don't they have a sound effect thing for that? Yeah. But I'd I love think... them to do the wrong sound effect. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you do it like a duck pen, quacking. A penny whistle or something. Or something. <laughs> Absolutely. I thought that was, I thought that was part of the acting training, part of when you're playing 
that thing when you act and you're pretending to be somebody you're not. I thought learning to be hit but not being hit. Right. And that whole delivering the hit but not really making contact. <laughs> and sometimes all... the person being hit does the noise with with their hands. Yeah. So yes. they'll kind of yeah. clap at the same yeah. time. I think they I think they probably did it for real. If they're good actors. Shall we see if we can find out? Yeah. I think I think they both listen to the podcast yeah, religiously. If they do, and they might want to tell us, um, you know. At Mike Ward on TV. Indeed, Tweet him. yeah, get in touch and let us know whether that was a real slap. Um, let's talk about uh, motorcycles. Have you ever ridden a motorcycle? I've been on the back of my brother's when he was about 21 and teared down the East Lancashire Road at about 70 miles per hour. Oh, really? Yeah. Never again, then? Oh, terrifying. Yeah. Ross Noble, off Ross, Ross Noble, comedian Ross Noble, who I, who I like. Yeah, he's um, he, he's a big bike fan, done lots of bikey stuff. His new series is called for on Dave, eight o'clock tonight. We're talking Thursday, December the seventh. Uh, Ross Noble off road. Mm-hmm. He's a three parter where he takes part in something called the Scottish Six Days Trial, which sounds like a sort of a lengthy court hearing, but in <laughs> fact it's a motorbike thing across the most challenging terrain imaginable. So it's like through. through through rocks and bumpy stuff uh, and all sorts of things. So basically, the world—it's the, the world's greatest riders even struggle with it. He says. Oh, right. He describes it as like doing a marathon, and then stopping along the way to do a boxing match, and then continuing with the marathon. <laughs> and I've watched watched a bit of this, and yeah, it does look tough because it's like riding. If you can imagine, sort of big boulders. I don't know. Sometimes you see on a, by the seaside or whatever and a cliff edge or whatever huge it's like that you think well you can't ride anything you can barely walk or stand on it and yeah. ride a bike he's doing lots of that and it's uh, it's not you know it's he's, he brings his comedic touch to it but it's quite a serious challenge he's obviously sort of you know means business so. is he doing an izzard uh, what oh you mean like the running the, i mean the endurance stuff that he does yeah the endurance stuff yeah yeah eddie izzard sort of annoys me now not because he's done that because there's great things he does yeah I used to be a big, big fan, but is it, is it because he's just too clever by half? I think there's a bit of that. I think there's a bit of. Um, I went to see, last time I went to see him. Um, it was he went came on stage and it was one of those comedians where he's a huge venue, dry ice and whatever, mm. and that puts me off for a start. Mm-hmm. You know, because it all becomes a bit kind of like a rally. Yeah, um, and his delivery is, you know. I don't know, maybe you just get a bit too used to it to the point where you think it's somebody pretending to be Eddie Izzard. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got a very distinctive, um, obviously, style. Well, you wonder, you wonder whether he was of an era that hasn't translated or moved forward at all. I don't know. I was wondering if it's me, you know. I sort of think, am I just, have my comic changes, my comic changes tasted? Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, things move on. Comedy moves on, maybe, and our tastes change. And yeah. when someone does the same thing, it doesn't, you know, That's chime my anymore. general problem with, st- I'm not the world's greatest fan of stand-up anyway, because it's sort of, at the back of your mind, you know it's all fake. You know, he's, the person said pretty much the same lines, mm. you know, 39 nights on the trot or whatever, if they're doing a big tour. Yeah. So the, uh, in, the implication that it's sort of... Um, spontaneous and off the cuff mm-hmm. and, and whatever you know it's not yeah Stuart Lee, Stuart Lee talks about this uh, yeah. he talks about how if there's been a happy accident in the audience where something really worked with a bit of interaction yeah. he then tries to recreate it the next time or yeah. he kind of pushes the audience to kind of come up with that comment again yeah. for someone to shout it out so he can have the moment again. and he was talking about how he feels like a bit of a fraud for doing that because yeah. you know the first time was real and then he's trying to recreate that and it's yes. all a bit f- fakery, know. you know. I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it because obviously, you know, you can't make up a new, you know, an hour and a half or whatever of new material every night. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we know that they are 
performing as heightened versions of themselves, not you know, not as them real mm. selves. So I know all that, but at the same time, you know, the implication being sort of in the back of your head that they're kind of just spontaneously getting up there and chatting and saying funny stuff, but you know, you're part of a sort of illusion. So yeah, that's uh, anyway. Ross Noble off road with a conon in the middle. Uh, eight o'clock, Dave. It's the Gadget Show Christmas gift thing. Oh. Tonight. Right. This is the one where the team looks at stuff that you might want to give people for Christmas gadget-wise, mm-hmm. like a pancake maker or a lip plump. Lip plump. <laughs> it's a great word to say, lip plump, because you need to plump lips to say lip yeah. plump. Yeah, can you imagine Rowan Atkinson saying that? Yeah, lip plump. What, that's uh, a cosmetic device, is it? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Drones. Do you have a drone? Would you want a drone? Well, I think they're on my radar. Mobile drone? I'm looking at a drone thinking, what I need to find is an excuse to get one. Because I want what, one, like but I can't want just to sort of get it. arrested for, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, encroaching they on look it. Like fun. I find them a bit sinister. Yeah. I just wish they hadn't been invented because they they're, they're, they spell trouble, Do you I think. think. I think so, yeah. I think they look, they look like the sort of thing that are going to be misused very soon. You can imagine context. one sort of hovering outside your window. Yeah. In, in any, well, I thought in, Amazon in, were going to use them to do deliveries. Future. Yeah. I think they are soon. They stopped doing that because I haven't heard about much about that for a while. I know. If you order a drone from Amazon, would it come by drone? <laughs> it just delivers think? itself. Yeah. Does it? Or, it delivers itself, or just carries one so the big drone delivers the baby drone like a stork delivering a baby. <laughs> yeah. We could do that. <laughs> nice. uh, also, Christmas baubles filled with gin, apparently. And that's not a gadget, is it? But apparently they're talking, they're, that's one of the things they're going to be mentioning. Oh. That's worth a mention, isn't it? Yeah. Also worth a mention, the year in music. Okay. So there you go. Now, <laughs> the year in music is 9 o'clock BBC Two. And what's interesting about this, it's uh, Clara Ampho and Claudia Winkleman mm-hmm. presenting uh, a look back on 2017's top artists, albums and performances. And including, including, you'll note, the announcement of who's won this year's BBC Music Awards. Ooh. Now... I'm sure you your memory stretches back uh, at least 12 months, 24, possibly 36 months, yeah. to when the BBC Music Awards were announced before, and they weren't tucked away in the middle of some other show on BBC Two on a Friday night. They had a big primetime Thursday night, I believe, 8 o'clock. Did they? Yeah, wow. slot on BBC One. Uh, Chris Evans introduced it one year, and uh, Fern Cotton, she does everything, all that sort of stuff. She did it last year. And are we saying that this has now been downgraded as a thing? Yes. Right. Yeah, because apparently hardly anyone watched it. Okay. It was very weird. I, think, I don't know if it's still the case because I haven't really followed it, but the BBC Musicals, they said it had about a two-hour show. There's about three awards. Yeah. It's always as if they felt it was all a bit vulgar. They didn't, but, so they did it quite half-heartedly. And you thought, oh, there's an award. Yeah. Yeah. You just think that with music, it's so disparate now the way we listen to it, that to, to have a unifying show where we all sit around and watch, you know, what's been great this year in yeah. music. It's, it's just so impossible because we all watch our own bits on YouTube. Well, completely. We self-select. You know, and the, your Spotify and yeah. Apple Music. Curated and, and, lists and all this. Yeah. It, yeah, and even radio stations. You know, there's Radio 1, the, the, there's Radio 1 Extra, mm-hmm. there's Radio 2, there's 6 Music, Radio 3. You know, yeah. there are state, and but they're all in some way or other it's sort of contemporary yes it's not like radio as it was sort of a generation ago when radio one had all the new stuff and then when you got older you listened to radio two yeah yeah and that was it and, and that within that there stuff. was a massive shared experience wasn't there yeah everybody went on that i'm gonna say journey sorry well, yeah radio yeah whereas radio one obviously has new stuff radio one extra has different new stuff mm-hmm. radio two has new stuff but more sort of mainstream so you'll get new acts on radio two that have slightly 
maybe yes more less i would say mellow it's a horrible expression but you know they would fit within that sort of um, demographic demographic thingy Mm. and then six music has you know they have old older stuff as well but they have new you know sort of indie type stuff or or, you know yeah i know you hate that but you know no i don't all the stuff um yes you do all the stuff (laughs) um, are you saying that i'm not open to new music no i'm not saying that i just i just stare it off a bit um yeah so you're right what's the question (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, you can't really have a program that brings no the, 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 the musical experience of the year together for us all. No. What turns it on? It's on nine o'clock BBC Two. So Saturday, December the ninth. Now let's talk about Blue Peter. Did you, as a kid, or maybe even now, uh, watch Blue Peter regularly, occasionally, oh, of course, never? Of course, yeah, regular. regularly. Mm-hmm. Did you? Were you inspired by? It? Who were your presenters? Because everyone has an era. Era was mine. Was the groom um, green Duncan triumvirate? Groom green and Duncan. So Simon Groom, Sarah Green, and Peter Duncan. Yeah. Goldie right. was the dog. What was he called? Goldie. Goldie, okay, yeah, 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 yes, okay, so we're talking um, 80s, early 80s, yeah. yeah. and it crossed into a bit of Alice, I loved Alice. Bit of Alice, yeah. Loved Alice. Did you? Oh, she's just lovely. Uh, so that's Sophie's mum, isn't it? Yeah, she had to she's get... still lovely. Okay. She's the thinking man's Nigella. Does she have nice knitwear? <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Bet, I bet she does. Um, I'm off again, aren't I? <laughs> um, John Noakes. Uh, oh, was yes. the legend. You probably don't remember John Noakes because you were, I think, about three when he stopped presenting. Yeah, but I've seen all the clips. Have you? Now, you've seen... Uh, so, which clips have you seen that stick in your mind? My favourite is him climbing Nelson's column. Brilliant. I mean, it's just... Terrifying. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to watch now, yeah. isn't it? For those who haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Uh, he does it without a harness. So, oh. I'm just thinking, now, does that mean... Am I, am I missing the point here? Does that mean that, basically, if he slipped, he falls to his death? Am I, As or, he does. He absolutely does fall to his death if he slips. I just, it's, uh, I know, I know. We talk about, you know, we didn't have health and safety yet <laughs> then, but we did have common sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing, <laughs> just, didn't we? Yeah. And it, watch it now, and it makes you. Feel, I'm not very good with heights anyway. In fact, I just watch anything on TV where somebody right, stands near the edge of a cliff. Those scenes in Poldark where they're galloping across cliff, cliff dots. Wow, I'm, my heart's in my mouth. <laughs> Um, but no, this is terrifying. Anyway, the reason I mentioned John Noakes is because uh, BBC Two, this late afternoon, really, Saturday, December the 9th, um, 5.30, John Noakes, TV hero. John Noakes passed away in May 83. And this is a look back on his, um, you know, his great moments and a little bit about what he was like off duty and uh, a chat with his wife, uh, who he was married to for 55 years and ex-colleagues. Uh, but yeah, they show this stuff. And the baby elephant, of course. You've seen the baby elephant thing. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. The what, baby what elephant, I, everybody knows the baby. What I quite like about him is, is that, you know, that very often with TV personalities, you re- don't really know what they're like yeah. in real life. Yeah. With him, you got the impression he is actually a bit irascible, a bit grumpy, yes. a bit of a narc. You know, and he's like that on screen and probably is off it. Yeah, you know, looking back, because I grew up, you know, I'm significantly older than you, as we've discussed before. I, um, well, it's not anything to discuss, it's just a fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just maths. maths, maths. It's just maths. I grew up in, in the era of uh, uh, John Noakes, Valerie Singleton, uh, Peter Purvis. Oh, that's a golden era, isn't that's, it? That's ultimately, I think, for our generation, my generation, yeah. that is the golden era. Well, it's often cited as the era. I mean, I, even I look at that and think that's a pretty good era. Yeah, it's the it's era's hard to go. Be, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and even before, actually, before Peter Purvis, there's a guy called Christopher Trace, who I, I don't think lasted very I don't remember the Trace now. No, but he was on it. I think it was his name. Uh, but yeah, John Noakes was the one. John Noakes was on the show from 65 to 78. That's 13 years. Gosh. So that's pretty much, I grew, you know, because I pretty much grew up with him because I wouldn't have watched Blue Peter for, before I was five. No. Um, and I wouldn't have watched him when I went to university. Well, I might have done if I was desperate, but I don't think I did. Um, so, yeah, he, you know, that was it. So probably no presenter has been part of my childhood as much, or my adolescence at least, as, as John knows. Oh, yeah, well, you and many others, so I'm sure this will be well-watched. Sounds good. Although I also, I mean, you, you won't remember this, there's also a rival programme on ITV called Magpie. Oh, uh, yeah, I know of it. Yeah, and always seen as a bit vulgar. Yeah, you know, if you grew up in that age where you thought oh, ITV's a bit vulgar. Yes, and Magpie was a sort of you know slight, slightly you know. It vulgar. was the, was it the tiz was to the sort of Saturday Superstore. Yeah, a little, little bit the, like that. The, yeah, and and uh, I seem to remember the significant thing about uh, Magpie was that when Blue Peter collected things like milk bottle tops and ring pulls. Yeah, so you could save up and buy a guide dog. Yeah, in their appeal. Um, I think Magpie just asked for money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I Give thought, wow. Uh, you know, and I thought, yeah, there you go. But I like Magpie. So, well worth a look. John Noakes, TV hero, BBC Two, 5.30. And finally, Sunday, you don't need me to talk about the Armour Celebrity final because by the time we've uh, gone, this has come out, you'll have know much more than we do mm. about it because we've recorded this some days ahead. But it's the final of I'm a Celebrity. And actually, you know what? I'm going to stick my neck out, even though by the time you hear this, this could have been sort of overtaken by events. Uh, Toff is going to win it. Okay, good. Toff. And then there's also tonight, there's Attenborough and the Giant Elephant, 9 o'clock BBC One. It's about David Attenborough and the Giant Elephant. My only thing about Celebrity is, my one thought from watching it, one observation, sometimes the tasks, they're supposed to get harder in gradation, aren't they, for them to deal with, right? I assume so. Yeah, but for me, the cockroaches and the things falling over their heads is worse than when they put a, a larger animal in. Because what they did with one of the tasks, they had all the stuff falling over their heads, it was horrible, then yeah. they let rats in, that was yeah. vile. And then they put alligators in. Or yeah. no, it was crocodiles. Yeah. And you knew as a viewer that they there was no way they were going to be dangerous crocodiles no, that could do them any that's harm. That's true. So actually the only real thing of the crocodile is, is it going to eat me? The yeah. crocodile's fine. If it's not going to eat you, it's fine. It's not. And it no longer has a scare. Whereas the others got that thing, they go up my nostrils. Exactly. And, yes, yeah. that's a good point. I might write to both Ant and Dick and suggest that they stop that. Do the crocs first. Do the crocs They're first. easy. And then get to, like you say, the stuff going up the nose, the eyes yeah. and all that. Yeah. Seem to be seem to be far more stressful. Uh, to me. Unless, of course, unless you get a, you get a crocodile up your nose. Oh yeah, that's awful. That is Telly Dot Click episode four. You can subscribe. You can subscribe if you wish at really? Telly. You can do that. Okay. Let me just make it clear at Telly Dot Click.